Welcome back to Japan's 161st favorite food and drink podcast. You're listening to Sakamichi Nights. We are coming to you from the Sakamichi Tap Room in Tachikawa, Tokyo, and my name is Matthew Boynton. My name is Daniel Dan Blue Bellamy. Nice to meet you, Daniel Dan Blue Bellamy.、Mm. How are you doing today? Yeah, good. Doing well. What is your second least favorite state in America? Second least favorite state. I'm guessing your least favorite is Minnesota. Why would it be Minnesota? I, I'm just assuming that. Minneapolis. No. I mean, well, that's a city. Okay. <laughs>、uh, second least favorite state. Man, that's a tough one. What is my least favorite state? I mean, you've stumped me out of the gate. You can't throw me these. These curveballs. I thought that your least favorite state was the one that Chris Paul's favorite、uh, American football team came from. You know, being a sporting rivalry between you two. There is, yeah, there's a big rivalry between Ohio and, and Michigan. Uh, but, uh, but I don't hate the I knew, state. I knew it started with a me. Yeah, you're close. close. And it's the same, same area, Minnesota and Michigan. They're、yeah. kind of the same, same zone. But that's not your least favorite. Do you have a least favorite? Frozen tundras. You know, there's great stuff in every state. Right. I can't. I'm sure there's not, a, there's not a single place that I don't want to visit. When I think, I'm trying to think of what, where I wouldn't want to go. Even some of the places that are,、uh, have more traditional value. What's, how can, what's a nice way to say they're racist?、Uh, even places like that, I'm sure, have like, nice places to go and nice things to do in them.、So. I'm sure. And I'm sure the、yeah. food is good. Well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I don't know. Yeah, it's all great. What's your, what's your second so, least favorite place in England?、Uh, Coventry.、Oh, so just to, be, just to be very clear, <laughs> just to be very clear, the Oklahoma hate that was recently exhibited on our Facebook page is not coming from us at all and certainly not coming from you. That was weird. They're both Oklahomans. Right. One is a native Oklahoman, the other is a transplanted Oklahoman. Right.、Uh, thank you to. Uh, Kevin and Jason for getting into it about Oklahoma. Yeah.、Um, I know basically nothing about Oklahoma other than that there are tornadoes and there is a musical.、Mm-hmm. Enlighten me. What else can you tell me about Oklahoma?、Um, it's where the wind goes sweeping across the plain. I think we covered that. And the, the waving wheat can still smell sweet、right. when the wind comes right before the rain. Again, I think we've, all, we've covered that. Did we? That's the musical. Right, that's, that's pretty much what I know. Also famous for biker gangs and meth, I've heard.、Uh, yeah, I don't know a whole lot about Oklahoma, if I'm being totally honest, beyond the musical Oklahoma. Okay, then let's move on to the next topic.、Mm. Uh, we're not here to cast aspersions about various places in America, though, are we? This isn't a podcast about America. What、we're、is this podcast? We're not here to review states. We are. We, we can. Let's rank. That's not the purpose. Okay, Daniel, Dorchester, Dan Blue, rank the states from 1 to 50. 1, 1 to 47 and leave three off. Leave three off because there are commonwealths and things that are not actually、sure. states.、Yep. Uh, we're not here to talk about the United States. What are we here to talk about? What is the topic of this podcast?、Uh, in general, aside from random forays and, and,、uh, and, and times we get off track, we're here to talk about beer. Right. And making beer and slanging beer. And drinking beer. Drinking beer. Reviewing beer and、Yo. serving beer. And... What? You're not getting me again. 
This is not a review show. No, we are not here to review the beer. I've explained this several times now, and I can't believe you keep getting this wrong. We're not here to review the beer. It's shocking. Speaking to you, the listener now. Um, This is not a review show because why is it not a review show? It's a celebration show. We're here to celebrate beer. Uh, We are going to drink on this podcast. We drink something that we are selling either in cans or bottles or we have on tap here. Uh, and we don't sell bad beer. So if we're drinking it on the show, then you know that it's great beer already. Uh, we are going to talk about it and we are going to describe it. But if you're looking to find out if it's good beer or not, if it's on this show, it is good beer. It is good beer. You get two thumbs up, two Sakamichi thumbs up just yeah. from being on the show. Yeah. What is the fantastic beer that we're going to be celebrating this week? Uh, tonight we are going to drink Viva La Beaver from Belching Beaver. Viva La Viva Loca. Viva La Biva. What kind of beer is Viva La Biva? It is a uh, it's a Mexican chocolate peanut butter stout. Now there are a lot of words in there, mm. so let's break it down. Mm. Mexican chocolate. Yeah. What is that? You've been to Mexico. I have been to Mexico. Name your first, uh, your second least favorite place in Mexico. Uh, Tijuana, probably. Okay. I don't know. Everywhere has good stuff about it, right? I'm sorry, yes. Um, my, my understanding in this case, Mexican chocolate, they are uh, talking about a, a more savory form of chocolate. Right. It also has a bit of cinnamon in it. Mm. Does Mexican chocolates have cinnamon in it? Usually? No, you're, you're pushing my knowledge a little too far. Okay. Um, it's a Mexican chocolate peanut butter milk stout. That's right. So peanut butter... I think that's pretty obvious. It, it tastes quite strongly of peanuts. Yeah. And a milk stout. What is a milk stout? Milk stout is a stout that has had lactose added to it. Right. Uh, and as you well know, as I well know, the yeast uh, can't eat that uh, that milk sugar. Can't uh, can't dine on it and create more alcohol. So uh, instead of boosting the alcohol, that lactose, that sweetness, is carried through into the the final product. Right. And as we've noticed before, on this show. We've had a few other lactose beers, and it, it doesn't always come across as a sweetness. Uh, sometimes it comes across more as a creaminess. Mm. Uh, oh, we're going to be a touch of sweetness, but if you see a milk stout on the tap menu somewhere or in your local bottle shop, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a sweet beer or a sweet stout, which no. is kind of a separate style. Regular listeners will know that we are extremely lactose tolerant mm. on this show. Yeah. We are prepared to put up with a lot of lactose. Mm. Uh, and yeah, it adds body, mouthfeel, and a little bit of sweetness. But we don't perceive lactose as being as sweet as, say, sucrose or glucose. Right. That's enough coast. Let's crack open some beers. Mm. Stout season is upon us, mm. the season of the stout. Yeah. Uh, we've been reviewing a lot of dark beers recently. I'm here for it. And this one is no exception. What What do you think of the Bibola Biba? Uh, this beer is a real mouthful. Yes. And I mean that in the best possible way. It's, as I understand it, this is a variant on the, the peanut butter milk stout that Belching Beaver does. Right. That uh, one came first. That one is, is quite rich as well. And, and obviously, being devoted to the peanut butter has a lot of that kind of rich peanut butter taste to it. Uh, this one comes from that lineage, but with the chocolate added to it. And you really, you get a lot of the chocolate, I find, both in the nose and uh, and in the flavor. 
I really feel like this this beer kind of washes over you and envelops you. It, there's a lot going on in it, uh, and it's very rich, both both just kind of getting a whiff of it out of the glass and then taking a sip of it. Yeah, I really feel like uh, if you pay attention to how the flavor is developing as you drink it, it's uh, there's a lot going on in here. Have you been to see, to see Dune yet? I have not. So this is not really a spoiler, but there's a scene in that when the character, the Baron, mm. Baron Harkonnen, mm-hmm. uh, is submerged in a big kind of pool of inky blackness okay. for reasons best known to himself. And he sort of emerges from it and says some very sinister lines. But I think that actually he was having a whale of a time and what was filling that pool was actually this Viva La Viva. Mm. So that room must have smelled absolutely incredible. Yeah. Because the first thing you get from this is a huge kind of peanut butter cookie kind of aroma. Mm. Uh, and then you're right, it's a very full flavor, isn't it? Mm. I get chocolate as well. I don't get a lot of cinnamon. But I do get some coffee, some malty bitterness, mm. and then a really full, rich mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. So that's probably why the Baron is quite a big lad. It's because he's bathing in peanut butter milk stout or Viva La Viva. Right. Uh, like drinking a- some as he goes. I mean, you would have to, yeah. right? You don't want anyone else drinking your bath water. That's you? true. Um, I'm I'm going to give this one two beavers up, two maracas out of two. Okay, that's verging dangerously close to a review. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought we already said that everything on here has two beavers up. Maybe, maybe we should just award every beer two somethings out of something uh, every week. This is a new uh, segment I'm okay. on you. This is good, yeah. So I'm going to give this beer two maracas. Okay. Two beavers wielding maracas. Yeah. What are you going to award this beer? I'm going to give it two buck teeth. Okay. <laughs> That's what beavers have, right? Yes, absolutely. So, on things. so uh, Viva La Beaver, our verdict is two buck teeth and, and two, two, maracas. two maracas. Which is the, the highest score possible. It's the only score possible on this non-review show. Right. Now, every week when we taste the beer, we also try to pair it with something. Um, we have eight different things here that this beer could be paired with. Number one, food or cuisine. Number two, TV or movies. Number three, music. Number four, video game. Number five, location. Number six, activity. Number seven, drinking companion. Probably the Baron Harkonnen. Mm. And number eight, wild cards. Let's spin the wheel of pairings. Didn't T Beanpod had a suggestion for us last week? Did you see that? He suggested some other pairings that we could put in. They were really good. I read them and I was like, man, that's a good suggestion. And this is all I remember of it. Let's did you see that tweet? I, I did see that tweet. They were good suggestions, I thought. So we have two other options for things that are going to join the wheel of pairings. I guess we can we can give our pairing and then we can also add these two mm. um, and this first one's going to be really easy for you to answer what podcast do you want to listen to while drinking this beer mm. i know you're a big fan of podcasts yeah, so it might be hard to pick even a top three so many good ones favorites uh, and the second one he suggests is if this beer were an animal or celebrity what would it be other than a beaver right obviously okay so let's first uh, roll the wheel of pairings and then we will also answer tb and pods I, I'm going to back up what I said before. Those are not as good as I thought. I remember them being. <laughs> I remember reading them at the time going like, yeah, I must have been drunk. Number three, music. Mm. All right. So if you were to be uh, relaxing on your beanbag, 
in your surround sound system or yeah. perhaps even with some headphones on. Yeah. I assume you understand how listening to music works. Yep, yep. I've uh, been Vibrations are moving through the air right. and interacting with your eardrums oh. and then passing signals to your brain. So I have drums. We all have drums. Am I playing them? Uh, and what would your drums be playing? Uh, I, I feel like I want to zone out to a jam band such as uh, Fish or String Cheese Incident. Those are not real names. What Those are both... What You know Fish. Surely you know Fish. With the PH. Yes. I've never listened to any Slightly music. Slightly sour. Yeah. Uh, and String Cheese Incident. Is that a real name? It's a real band. Okay. Yeah. Are they similar to Fish? Yeah, they're a jam band. So you have to kind of be in a certain state of mind to enjoy their music. Uh, you know, I guess. Sure. Do you think that this peanut butter milk stat would help you to achieve um, that relaxed state? Is that I, what you're looking for? I feel like in some ways peanut butter milk stout could be the name of a fish song. Yeah. Or the name of a jam band. You could just call your jam band peanut butter milk stout. Or even Viva La Beaver. Jamming out on your eardrums. Yeah, or Viva La Beaver is also a good one. That would be a kind of Latin-themed jam band, perhaps. Mm, that would Maracas. be all right. Maracas, yeah. yeah. No, I feel like, uh, like I said before, I, I, I don't know why, but I feel like this beer kind of washes over you and engulfs you in a way. Mm. And I think uh, listening to a, a really, like really excellent musicians and a, and a good jam band doing their thing, I think, uh, would go well with this engulfment of a beer. A couple of uh, birthdays ago, my wonderful wife, Mrs. Boynton, bought me uh, a little Bluetooth waterproof speaker mm. so I can listen to podcasts or music while I'm in the bath or in right. the shower or even in the pool. Uh, and so while I'm relaxing in my big pool of Viva La Beaver yeah. and rejuvenating yes. as per La Baron, yeah. prior would, to uttering some sinister things. I mean, I'm doing that all the time anyway. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I would like to listen to the whole album Atom Heart Mother by Pink Floyd. Mm, Again, yeah. something quite immersive yeah. and jammy, perhaps. Mm. We've chosen fairly similar things mm. this time. But Viva La Beaver, Peanut Butter Milk Stout, Atom Heart Mother, these all these are all very similar phrases. String cheese incident. String cheese incident. Fish, fish, fish. Yeah. They've all got three words in them, so I can see them all melding together mm. very successfully. Sure. Yeah. Daniel Dorchester Dandler. Mm. There's another one. Yeah, uh, next Wednesday when you come in here, it's going to be string cheese incident all day. Let's not forget our other two uh, challenge questions, though. Yeah, great, uh, great what, questions. What podcast do you, Daniel, want to listen to whilst drinking this beer? I, I have a confession to make to you and to to all of our listeners. Uh, in my life, I have. Uh, listen to a grand total of one podcast. Well, so this should be a fairly easy question to answer then. You already have a favorite podcast. It's the one you've listened to. I do. That's true. What is the one podcast you've listened to? Hardcore History. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. It's a great one. Yeah. I this, think you turned me on to it, actually. This is not a beer that you want to rush, right? You, you're you not crushing pints mm. of Viva La Beaver. Yeah. Uh, and Hardcore History episodes are like four or five hours long. So... I think that's a, a good match mm. as well. You can sip this and and have a have a stroll through some historical event. Yes, they they often get a bit grim, don't they? They're quite dark. They do. I, I guess again, that's going to be a good match with this extremely dark beer. Mm. 
I was I was foolishly paying attention to your answer and yeah. thinking about it. What a rude! I picked up some, uh, some fool. bad uh, bad habits from it's, you. It's a tougher question for you though, because you you listen to podcasts. I do. You've I been on podcasts. I'm I'm on a podcast right now. It might what? amaze you to think. Uh, you probably have a lot of podcasts to choose from in terms of favorite podcasts. I do listen to quite a lot of podcasts. Jam band review. Mm. Jam Band Review is actually not far off the podcast that I'm going to choose, which is a podcast called Bombarded, which is uh, it's three guys, sorry, three people who are in a band and they're playing Dungeons and Dragons, but they're all playing characters who are bards. Mm-hmm. And so to sort of cast their spells and to progress through the story, they play music. They actually play music. They actually play music. Oh, nice. But as they level up as bards, they also, sort of through the game mechanics, they get better at playing music as well. Mm. So it's like, hey, you've learned how to play a minor fifth. Mm. And so they can incorporate that, that into that. their playing. That's cool. And they each have their own instruments that they play. And it's it's a pretty cool podcast. Mm. If you're into podcasts, which if you're listening to this, I'm going to assume you're not. Uh, but if you are into podcasts, then uh, I like recommend... Me. <laughs> I recommend... Well... I, that would imply that you are listening to this, which I seriously doubt. Yeah, right. Um, I seriously encourage you to give Bombarded a try. It's a really good podcast. Mm. Good one answer. More, well one done. More, one more question. If this beer were an animal or celebrity or a celebrity animal, what would it be? I knew this question was coming. I wasn't thinking about it at all. How many celebrity animals can you name off the top of your head? Uh, Barney, the dinosaur, purple, purple dinosaur. Yeah, I yeah. guess he counts. Uh, Yogi the, Bear, the tick, the tick. Eric the octopus. Yeah, sure. Why not? Brian the uh, the beluga. Yes, is that your answer, Brian the beluga? Brian the beluga, <laughs> world famous. Brian the beluga. He was uh, famous for picking the uh, the World Series winners four years in a row, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He also he also pitched in one of those games. Yeah. For- Turned out, Turned out that, not uh, against the rules. He had some. There was nothing in the rule book. Natural ability. Uh, if this beer were an animal or a celebrity, uh, I kind of feel like it would be a very large bear. Okay, Yogi Bear is something that sprung to my mind as well. No, I think like a, like a scary, deadly bear. Oh right, like a real bear. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say if this beer were a celebrity animal, it would be Pitbull, who I assume is a Pitbull. The rapper. The musician. Yeah, there's nothing in the rules that says a pit bull can't be a rapper. Mr. International, is that what he's called? Mr. Worldwide. Mr. Worldwide, that's, that's it. Right, yes. Got my finger on the pulse. <laughs> so have I. How with did that, you know that? That incredibly up-to-date and topical reference. Well done. Pit bull. Yeah. Thank you uh, for the questions. Great questions, by the way. We actually have another question from Casey in Ishikawa. Uh, he wants to know. This is a good question. You're going to like this one. Uh, He says, I'm blown away by how beautiful and artistic beer cans are these days. Me also. And it seems like something that just started happening overnight. Can you guys shed any light on this trend? And also, do you have any favorite brewers or breweries whose cans you are particularly fond of? So, why are there so much more artistic cans around these days? I think that there's, uh, you know, it's on some level, it's just marketing, right? You want to stand out on a shelf. So you want to have a nice looking product. 
perhaps just the market is a lot more crowded mm. these days. It isn't simply enough to be a good IPA. You have to stand out from the 50 other good IPAs mm. that are on the Absolutely. shelf in the bottle shop. Yeah. Uh, and then beyond that, craft beer is a, is a creative pursuit. So it would make sense that people who are making it would also want to explore creativity and support the creativity of, of other people like artists uh, by, um, you know, commissioning great art for the cans as well and great label designs. I think also in recent years, there have been quite a few sort of new micro canning lines released. It's becoming much more accessible for even very small breweries to can their beer or to package their beer in some way. And maybe one of the the differences between a very small company like ours, where there are just two of us, and a very large company like Sierra Nevada, who compared to us are absolutely enormous, Mm. is they might be, for their packaging, they might be a little bit more risk averse. Mm-hmm. They have a very clear corporate image. They probably have like a style guide and, and brand guidelines and everything. Mm. Whereas we would just, you know, throw whatever we want at the cans, like whatever we feel like, because yeah. we're just making it up as right. we go along. And that doesn't necessarily mean that our cans will be good. But because there are so many breweries doing that, there are bound to be some good ones in that. Some mm. ones that are really artistically sure. pleasing. Yeah. Uh, and Perhaps what's happening here is there are just there are a lot more cans and people mm. are taking more risks because they want to stand out yeah. as well. Mm. Uh, and some of those are leading to to really interesting directions. Absolutely. Perhaps. Mm. Do you have any cans that we've had in here or that you've seen anywhere that you particularly like? We well, I, we talked before about some of the Jackie O's stuff we had. We had. Uh, three cans that all had art from the same artist and I was trying to look it up before and I just couldn't find it but uh, the the Raz Wheat the Mystic Mama and the Chomoluma mm. uh, all had art by the same artist they credited the artist on the can as well uh, which I thought was quite cool I've always thought those were really nice really good looking cans and if you look at the Jackie O's lineup they're not all done by the same artist they have a lot of different styles on them uh, but they they really uh, have some really exciting can designs, really beautiful art on the. They do they do a very big series of real heavy, big dark beers. Right. Oil of Aphrodite is one of the series, kind of 13 percent imperial stouts that they do, and the artwork on some of those is just really fantastic. And we have a couple of bottles of sours from Jackios in the fridge as well, and they have a bit of a almost graffiti-esque design right, and they have right. the artists attributed on them as well so i think that they are very specifically finding artists to do a series of beers and crediting them on the label and, and i would assume through their promotional material as well I, I i like both that they are looking for interesting and exciting artwork that they feel suits the beer but also, they're very upfront about saying, like, hey, it's this person. Like, go find them right, on yeah. Instagram. It's a good way for people in creative pursuits to support each other. And they're, yeah, they're, they're having thematically linked beers with sort of different but thematically linked artwork, mm. which makes the series have a really sort of a complete and interesting look, yeah. doesn't it? Uh, another brewery who uh, specifically linked to the artist responsible for their label design was um, Surly mm. from Minis- Minneapolis. Yeah, Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Yeah. It was work. one of the Mies. 
Um, and we recently got in uh, a bottle of their Barrel Age Darkness, and I absolutely love this label. It's great. Uh, and they specifically, in the description, they uh, said who the artist was, a local artist in Minneapolis mm. called Barbara Goodman. And so I also tagged her in some of the posts that I put up about these fantastic bottles that we got in, and she mm. responded to that. So yeah. quite a fun little Twitter interaction yeah. there. She was saying it's amazing. These were some of the favorite bottles that she's designed, mm. and it was amazing to see how far they'd got to. Yeah. So very pleasing for her to, to see people appreciating her work and see them show up in Tokyo, and also great for us because I really love these these designs. They, mm. they almost, in a certain way, remind me of Warhammer 40,000 which, as right. you know, is a topic very close to my yeah. heart and to your heart as well. Like yes, that. absolutely. I listened to a podcast about it. Was that the um, the Dan Carlin one? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I don't know. Uh, it, it's, it's That's one of the fun things about Twitter, isn't it? You can just tag someone and maybe they'll just get in touch with you, right? That's one of the things that Twitter is for, is just harassing celebrities. Yeah, absolutely. Or thanking artists. Billy the Beluga. Billy the Beluga. Yeah. Hey, it turns out there was slide something in the rule book. Slide into his DMs. Uh, yeah, I think we, you know, we have the, the gallery space here, right? Um, you know, what's the word I'm looking for here? Generously calling it a, a gallery space, the, the big white wall upon which we hang art. We wanted to do that. We had the space and we wanted to give uh, local artists, young artists, just anybody really, uh, a place where they can hang up some art and show their stuff for uh, for a month or two months free of charge, maybe even sell some things if they want to. So I, I can completely understand that, uh, you know, for us, have, we have that feeling where we want to support people who are out there in creative pursuits that are making things and, and want to have a place where they can put their work out there and show it to people. Mm. So I think that uh, it's a real natural extension for us already having the gallery space to go into in the future when we are canning or bottling and we're designing labels to reach out to some of the artists we've had in here or other people. It's, it's you know, those two pursuits go hand in hand. And I think uh, helping other people put their work out there and giving them a, a medium and like a slightly different medium as well. Right. Putting your art on a can or on a bottle is different than hanging mm. it flat on a wall. Yeah, totally. Uh, but giving people the opportunity to put that out there. And like we've seen some of the other, you know, as we mentioned, the Jackie O's and the Surly stuff, putting the artist's name on it very prominently and saying, Hey, this is this person's art. Here's a QR code to their Instagram, giving people a way to, to access more of their work. As a slight aside, if you are listening to this and you are an artist or you know somebody who is an artist and interested or you're interested in showing some of your work in our art space, it mm. is completely free to do so. Um, we have a different exhibitor just about every month. Uh, and if you want to sell your work from our art space, that's totally up to you. We leave that to the artist and the people who want to buy the work. We don't get involved in that at all. So um, it's a very... <laughs> Very low-risk mm. endeavor, I think. All yeah. you have to do is put the pictures up, uh, and there is no cost associated with it. I find it quite interesting because I know almost nothing about art. Mm. Um, I like looking at it, mm -hmm. and that's about as far as my knowledge goes. Right. Um, and that's sort of linked to the topic that we were going to talk about today, which is getting feedback about the beer from people who really don't have any beer experience mm. or they're very new to craft beer and there are two beers on the menu right now that are actually right next to each other tap number four is the viva la beaver 
the one we're drinking today. It's the Mexican chocolate stout, very dark, very rich, um, you know, a real heavy meal in a glass. Mm. But number six from Black Tide Brewing is Little Lychee Fruited Goze, mm-hmm. which is very light. It's slightly salty. It's fruity. It's sour. It could almost couldn't be more different mm. from the Viva La Viva. Yeah. So for somebody coming in here who doesn't really know what craft beer is about, or say two people come in here, two friends, and they order a number four and a number six, that's going to really blow them away, isn't it? When mm. they see that these two things, they're both beer, and they're both sold by the same shop from the same taps, but they're two completely different drinks. And completely different from what they, you know, whatever nama they're having at the Ezekaya. Right. So what do you think? What is the value to us who know a little bit about beer and brewing? Why is it valuable to get um, feedback or to get the opinions of people who really don't have very much craft beer experience? I think it's important for us, partly because of our location and partly because of how, how we see ourselves in the community. Uh, we still do have a lot of people coming in here who are new to craft beer. And we still see it as part of our uh, kind of company mission to be reaching out to new people. And part of our location, we know we're very close to a big shrine that has a couple big festivals normally. Um, and when those happen, we're going to be selling beer out the front, largely to people who are not craft beer drinkers. They're just going to be people who are there for the festival and out on the street. So uh, I think having a sense of what your average non-craft beer drinker likes and doesn't like, I think that's going to be useful for us in the long run. And that doesn't mean that we're going to only make beers that tailor to them, that are not going to challenge people at all, or not going to, you know, that are going to be kind of strict copies of, uh, of Sapporo or Kirin. But I, I do think understanding that, that some of the beers, we want them to be in some ways gateway beers where there's something interesting to them. There's, there's uh, something a little challenging about them, but they're still very palatable to the novice drinker. Knowing which beers fit that niche, I think, is useful information for us. Absolutely. And uh, it's also very refreshing, I think. Uh, we were talking a little bit earlier about some of the reviews that we see on Beer Advocate from time to time and they almost to every single one of them could not be more dry Mm. it's just very technical very specific very um very nitpicky information almost Mm. about the physical reality of the beer without ever really talking about whether or not the person liked it right or what they enjoyed about Mm. it or what they didn't there might be little comments about how the lacing in the glass wasn't that great or Perhaps the mouthfeel was different from other beers that they've tried and enjoyed. Mm. But when we serve beer to people who are trying craft beer for the first time, often their first reaction is, hey, I love this. This tastes great. Mm. And that's about it. (laughs) They're not getting really technical and really into the weeds about some specific thing about how it was made Mm. or some weird little ingredient that we added in. It's just, I like the way this tastes and I would like to have more of it. Mm. Uh, And that can be... Uh, really motivating and enthusing sometimes mm. to, to just have that kind of simple feedback. I, I think also when you when you create stuff, it's easy to get caught up in the minutia of it, and it's easy to get in that space of those reviewers on Beer Advocate and get really caught up in the little, the details and the nitty gritty and the technical side of things. 
but there's a flip side of of that that kind of detailed enjoyment and that is just do i like this yeah yes or no yeah uh like you said do i want to have another one of these i i i've I've had times in my life where I've read something like finished a book or finished a movie or had a beer or something. And in, in some ways, maybe it wasn't quite what I expected or quite what I wanted, but it stayed with me. And I found myself wanting another one. Sometimes that's like, it's a style of beer that I didn't previously thought I didn't enjoy. And then I had one that I enjoyed so that my, my preconception is kind of warring with my actual enjoyment of the thing in the moment. Uh, but I, I think that question of just, do I like this? Sometimes we, we go right past that without answering it and straight into the details and the nitty gritty. Hmm. Uh, and I do think that the first question to answer is, do I like this? Is this a good beer? Would I have another one of these? And that's sometimes something that people who are very studied in craft beer can lose sight of, hmm. right? They're going to yeah. say, well, you know, it was really interesting the way that this flavor interplayed with this one or they used this pink himalayan rock salt which had a really interesting character and they're kind of losing sight of the fact that they actually didn't like it very much right and uh, maybe somebody who has less experience with craft beer might just taste it and go uh you know actually that's too bitter i don't like it mm. uh, and that's what's really important that's the important feedback there it's not oh how many times did you dry hop this and how were you able to get this really complex character into there of all these different hops no, it's too bitter. I don't like it. Mm. Okay, great. That's that's actually what I wanted to know. Right. Yeah. Not not all this uh, this really mm. technical stuff, which is also important. Yeah. There's a place for both. Yes. I think the detailed stuff is maybe more actionable. Right. As opposed to I didn't like this beer. Well, why not? It didn't taste good. Right. Right. Take it off the menu. We'll dump it. <laughs> okay. We'll dump it all. Throw it away. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's good to have both kinds of feedback. I think, and we are lucky enough here to have both kinds of customer. Mm. Well, people sometimes come in here who are looking for something very specific or they've tried lots of different craft beers and they want to try one of the more esoteric things that we might stock in bottles mm. or cans in the fridge. Other times it's people who are just kind of walking down the street and they saw people sitting in here and they decided to pop in. And yeah. What are you doing here? You sell beer? Okay, I'll have a beer, please. Mm. Uh, or you have eight different kinds of beer. Wow. Uh, and it's really fun to have those conversations. Absolutely. Both, both kinds of conversations. For sure. It is, there is there is a there is a little flaw in that though, which is that uh, if you if you give something to someone and say, "Hey, I made this," mm. what do you think about it? Mm. And you're standing in front of them, mm. uh, chances are they're going to be like, "Oh, yes, it's really good." That's <laughs> that's just human nature. It's hard to be objective for a lot of people in in those kind of situations. So we definitely sometimes we have to read between the lines a little bit, right? You give people a beer. What do you think about that? They go, mm, yeah, it was, oh, yeah, it's really good. good. But do you have anything else? Yes, that they order something else. Uh, they go back to the Shibazaki session, which was the first one they had. Uh, so there's definitely a little bit of reading between the lines, I think, that you need to do. Yeah, and just kind of seeing what people's ordering patterns are. Mm. If they do tend to, to order something more than once, you know, very few people come in here and try every beer on the menu. There are eight different types. It's a challenge. Yep. So it has been done, but mm. we don't recommend it. So people tend to have, you know, two or three. Somebody has one, has something else, and then goes back to the first one. That's a pretty good indication that first one was actually what they were looking for. Yeah. And they enjoyed it. Mm. Do we have any weird, interesting, or eclectic beers coming up in our fridge this week? 
We have a couple of mixed cases coming in on Friday, uh, which I'm looking forward to. But I think the, the, the two kind of big ones, and speaking of uh, brands with good can art, mm. uh, we have a beer from Modern Times coming in. Modern right. Times, obviously, their kind of classic can design is very clean, uh, very classic, very uh, recognizable and identifiable. Uh, and then they do kind of some of their, their one-off stuff has some pretty wild kind of geometric uh, mm. modern art style designs. Yeah. Uh, and this is one of those. It's called Wizard Nebula. Wizard Nebula. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think it's a hazy double IPA. But is that also a jam band? Uh, it, could, it really could be. Uh, it sounds actually like a jam band song that's like 43 minutes long. Right, yes. Yeah. So you actually have to turn the album over halfway through the song. Right, to really get into the Wizard's Nebula. Uh, so that's coming in on Friday. That one I'm pretty stoked for. And we also have the uh, this year's version of Firestone Walker's Luponic Distortion series. It's number right. 19. Excellent. Uh, we had 17, we had 18, and now this is 19 in this series uh, if I remember correctly, as I, I think when we looked at it before, they are attempting to get maximum fruit flavors only using hops. Right. If you remember the first one we had, 17, uh, was had a lot of like blueberry flavor to it. Uh, and it was, I mean, both of them, both 17 and 18, were really excellent, excellent IPAs with a shocking amount of fruit flavor considering it's all done with hops. Mm. So I look forward to that series every year and I'm pretty stoked about this one. All right. So two interesting beers coming up this weekend mm. for the novice or for the, uh, the informed amateur. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much for listening to this episode of Sakamichi Nights. I've been Matthew Boynton and I've been joined by Billy the Beluga. Thank you, Billy. Mm. You're welcome. I'm glad I could be here. Uh, stay safe everybody and we will see you again next time have a great night everybody talk to you next week